Welcome to this edition of Rail Group on Air, a joint podcast of Railway Age, Railway Track and Structures, and International Railway Journal. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief William C. Vantuono. Some of the nation's largest shippers and retailers right now are renewing their pursuit of major increases to the size and weight of trucks allowed on the nation's highways. For example, as part of various coronavirus stimulus measures, the group Americans for Modern Transportation is seeking to mandate states to allow longer double-trailer trucks. The National Grain and Feed Association and the National Grocers Association are seeking to raise the state and national limits on truck weights. In Congress, proponents of bigger trucks are pressing their case and pushing for amendments in whatever infrastructure bill is signed into law. The railroad industry has been dealing with these efforts for many years. Well, here's a quick refresher. Current federal law provides for the operation of trucks hauling two trailers, each 28 feet in length. Federal law also limits the weight of any single trailer truck to no more than 80,000 pounds on interstate highways, with only limited exceptions. Although Congress has rejected previous attempts to raise size and weight limits, lawmakers are allowing a temporary reprieve from the weight limit as part of its response to the coronavirus crisis. My guests are Sheriff Donald B. Smith, who served as the 53rd Sheriff of Putnam County, New York, for 16 years, and Sergeant Andrew Matthews, a retired Connecticut State Trooper and current Executive Director of the National Troopers Coalition. Both are part of the leadership of the Coalition Against Bigger Trucks, CABT, for which they serve as members of the Law Enforcement Advisory Board. Don and Andy, welcome to Rail Group On Air, our podcast series. And um, we are going to be talking about the Coalition Against Bigger Trucks uh, and specifically your role in that. Most people in our industry think of, when they think of uh, CABT, they think of the commercial aspects of it. They think of business that may be taken from the railroads. Traffic will go on, on larger trucks. There's a lot of other provisions, but um, you know, there's a lot of regulatory concerns. But one of the biggest concerns, as you both well know, being in law enforcement, is safety. And we wanted to get your perspective as law enforcement officers actively involved with this. Uh, your perspective from being out there on the nation's highways and dealing with big trucks, be, dealing with, with, uh, with accidents, dealing with safety. And if larger trucks, uh, larger, longer, heavier vehicles were to, I'll use the term, my term, invade the highways, what, what does that mean uh, in, in terms of safety? Based on seniority, I'm going to let Don go first. Okay. Well, thank you, Andy. You know, it's interesting uh, because you hit the, the key point of why we're involved. And I think Andy can speak for himself, but I think we're both involved because of safety. I served as the deputy county executive of Putnam County after retiring from the military and, uh, and then was called into service, was elected sheriff and served for 16 years in that capacity and, uh, and also uh, served as the president of the New York State Sheriff's Association we became very involved because it affected all the sheriffs of New York State. And it really is, from our perspective, about public safety. Andy and I serve on the Law Enforcement Advisory Board, 
uh, for CABT for the Coalition Against Bigger Trucks. But we've been in years uh, before that. And uh, I was a volunteer when I was uh, the sheriff of Public County. And it's just something I've continued on into retirement. Bigger trucks, heavier trucks, longer trucks, and especially getting the, you know, the double trucks longer. Right, the LCVs, the long, the long combination vehicles. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad idea. It's just a bad idea. And I would just say up front that from experience and from the studies that have been done, transportation, and there's two majors done, but there's been over the years, 2000, and currently in 2016, the statistics don't back up the idea that we should have these bigger trucks, uh, heavier trucks out on the highways. And uh, so basically, data, research, statistics are all on our, all are on our side. But a better way to say it is, I think that's the side that we're on. We want to keep our constituents safe. And I use the word constituents because I was an elected official. And whether you're elected or appointed, the role of law enforcement, and I believe job one for government, is public safety and keeping the people safe throughout the country. First, thank you for having us. I think this is an important issue that um, members of the public need to hear because often um, political favors and pressure gets involved uh, at a local level and then spreads all the way to DC. We had a recent um, example of that that I can get into if you'd like with the LCVs. I was the president of the Connecticut Troopers for eight years. Uh, I was the chairman of the National Troopers Coalition. We represent 42,000 troopers in 45 different states. Um, and one of the biggest issues for us, both for the safety of the public, but the safety of our troopers, is critical in the relationship we've had over the years with CABT um, going to the Capitol and, and, and hitting the hill and, and talking to people and educating them. You could see like the light goes off when you, when you bring troopers or sheriffs. Um, we also are on the law enforcement advisory committee. We have NAPO, the National uh, Association of Police Officers, uh, the sheriffs and the chiefs of police association and the NTC. So in, the, in that coalition, you know, when, when you go and speak to legislators and you educate them on the real life experience of law enforcement on the ground that's dealing with the death and destruction due to trucks that are that only currently weigh 80,000 pounds. The, the, the truth is they, they actually understand it. And I think once you tell them and explain to them the real life experience in the field, they have a great deal of respect from a law enforcement capacity. Having been a trooper for over 20 years, I think, uh, and having been a sergeant in the traffic unit in the last two and a half years on the job, I can tell you there's serious problems even within law enforcement because as, uh, like in Connecticut, we went from 1,283 troopers in 2009, we're down to just below 900. And that's because nationally, you've seen a trend where states try to save, I think Connecticut saved approximately 57 million annually by cutting 400 troopers. So when we go from 62 troopers in the traffic unit down to 19, and only a very few number of them carry portable scales, for example, when it comes to heavier trucks specifically, the truckers, they understand what routes they can take, they know what hours they can, they can travel around us because they know we're not out there. 
on a state level, uh, there's been a big push. Uh, can I give you a quick example? Sure. In, tw- in, 20, in 2015, as part of the FAST Act, in Connecticut, we had there was a big push to allow agricultural uh, trucks to go heavier in Connecticut up to 100,000 pounds. The bottom line is we fought against it because we knew that was a, an opportunity for them to get their foot in the door because eventually it would be all ag trucks uh, and then eventually it would be all distributors would want 100,000 pounds. Now, this is on the secondary roads only in Connecticut, where milk trucks only passed in 2015 uh, up to 100,000 pounds. Now, in 2019, there was a big push in Connecticut, uh, which failed, uh, Senate Bill 523, which I was involved with, which, which could have raised the allowable truck weight on non-interstate routes up to 100,000 pounds. So what's happening on a local level is all the chiefs of police that have fatalities or serious injury accidents or property destruction based on faulty equipment of trucks or heavier loads that, you know, there's not a lot of local, the the way Connecticut's designed is we have 169 towns, 81 of those towns don't have police departments. So we're not a highway patrol, we're a state police, we cover the, we're resident trooper program, we have the troops cover the towns that don't have police departments. And what the public really doesn't understand is not every state trooper in Connecticut, um, very few, actually, I think it's roughly about 70, know anything about truck weight, size and weight. So what happens is it's unlike some of the rural states where every trooper is a highway, on a highway patrol and they, everybody knows how to weigh a truck, right? So in a state like Connecticut, for example, when they allow these, the, the chiefs and the accidents happen, the chiefs of police, they don't want the trucks in their towns. So there's a big push to allow heavier trucks, all ag trucks or any truck up to 100,000 pounds. Well, recently, without, our, without, without us knowing, um, uh, one of our, one of our um, congressmen proposed uh, recently amendment number 21 on the Invest, Invest in America Act, which is about 1.5 trillion in infrastructure funding for states. So everybody's trying to grab at it, right? So, and everybody knows in any state, the infrastructure is a mess. As a trooper, I've stood on bridges where trucks go over at high speeds and they're, they shake, they literally shake the the bridge so much that the the DOT uh, inspectors will tell you that the beams actually shift, right? So when they start talking about putting heavier, bigger trucks on the highways, we're the ones that are saying, hey, you know, this is not a good idea from the people on the ground. Um, what they tried to do in this most recent amendment is they tried to compare us to New York and Massachusetts, who were grandfathered um, back under the federal regulations uh, 23C FR Part 658 Appendix C, which allowed the LCVs to run on the Mass Pike and the New York Turnpike. Um, those are the 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 tractor trailers with two trailers that can go over 80,000 pounds. So on the mass bike, they allow up to 127,400 pounds. And on New York Thruway, they allow 143,000. So what everybody starts saying, and that was part of the Intermodal uh, Surface Transportation Efficiency Act. So what they, what they start saying is everybody starts saying, well, this, this state does it. I'm trying to tell our five delegates from Connecticut that this is a really bad idea. No one even reached out to the people that actually do it for a living and that is if you start running a uh, hundred thousand pound trucks on the interstate 
because they couldn't get it done on a local level in Connecticut in the legislature. So what do they do? They, they go to the Capitol in DC and they try to push it. We have no problem listening to other people, but it seems lately that there, there's real danger because there's this movement to um, not speak to the stakeholders that like Don, myself and others that actually have a history of knowing what we're talking about. I don't know if they're just afraid of hearing the truth and the facts, but bigger, heavier trucks are just really dangerous on the highways. And um, if, you're, if your family's in a car driving down the highway, 80,000 versus 100,000 pounds, not only does that affect the center of gravity and could increase rollovers, uh, it affects the, the, the braking, the timing that it takes, the steerability of the truck. 20,000 pounds is a lot of weight. The people that are in charge of creating the laws need to slow down and like actually listen to the people that know what they're talking about. CABT is instrumental because over the years, when there's been an issue that we're busy with everything else, right? CABT has been critical to contacting people like Don, myself, and the other organizations and saying, hey, this just came up. We weren't aware of it, and we're just blindsided by it, right? So they're important on keeping the coalitions together, the law enforcement, and educating people, but they're also really important on making sure we all know what's happening in D.C. so that we can communicate with the people that represent us there. You, you mentioned the difference in weight, roughly 20,000 pounds. That's five times the weight of an average automobile. I don't think too many people think yeah. about that. And I also wonder, the people, the people on Capitol Hill, how many of them are out there on the highways driving their own cars and having to deal with these monster vehicles? Now, don't get me wrong. I have nothing against trucks driven safely, but there's a limit. Uh, to to the safety threshold, and and I think the an interesting point that you raised with the the wear and tear on the infrastructure, and if our infrastructure is getting worse, as we all know, all you have to do is drive out there on the roads, and you can see the potholes and the cracks and the age, and you put bigger trucks out there, and and the, that's a disaster waiting to happen. How many disasters is it going to take to make people say enough? You know, when you talk about the stakeholders, it's interesting to know that most of the truck drivers themselves do not want to drive bigger, heavier, and longer trucks. Uh, you mentioned members of Congress. Many, many of them, we see their heads go up and down. They agree with us because they have experience on the roads. And this coalition uh, that CABT brings together is a, it's a very broad-based coalition. I mean, we have the, uh, you know, uh, American Automobile Association, virtually all of the police organizations. 95% um, of police are against having bigger trucks, whether it be the National Sheriff's Association, the National Troopers Coalition, the International Association of, of uh, Chiefs of Police, and the, the list goes on and on. And Andy pointed right. out, some of the things that CABT does. And, you know, I think that the best way to describe it is CABT is that 24, 365 days a year watchdog that keeps track of what's going on. You know, law enforcement is, uh, is very busy and the challenges, Andy, I think have never been greater than they are today. And it's great having CABT there to keep track of 
what's going on in Washington. Uh, believe it or not, some of these special interest groups that have a lot of influence, and, and I'm not criticizing them, we all love to get our, our goods and services, but the Amazons and the, the people that deliver those goods, FedEx and, 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 and the UPS and, and all these large companies, they have a lot of influence in Washington, and it's very, very important that we keep, you know, the actual experience and the science or the studies that have been done. And, you know, both you and Andy were talking about, you know, the infrastructure, uh, but even the studies that have been done in, in the 2016 U.S. Uh, DOT, Department of Transportation study and report to Congress, uh, gave some interesting statistics that are alarming. Uh, 47% higher crash rates in Washington state if the weight is increased to 91,000 pounds, 99% higher crash rates in Idaho at 97,000 pounds, 400% uh, higher crash rates in Michigan at 97,000 pounds. And, you know, it goes on and on and on. And uh, the the, the multi-trailer trucks, have an 11% higher fatal crash rate than the single trailer trucks. And statistics don't lie, but even more important than I think are, than the statistics is the experience that all of these stakeholders bring to the table. And uh, CABT just does a tremendous job with education and awareness and making sure that the public is aware, making sure our public officials are aware, keeping all of the police associations, law enforcement associations up to speed as to what's going on. Uh, I know I appreciated it when I was the sheriff and when I was the president of the New York State Sheriff's Association. Andy, I know, I know the troopers appreciate it. Virtually all law enforcement, I believe, appreciates what CABT does. And I'm just very, very proud that uh, I'm able to continue in retirement working uh, to help uh, CABT with this important mission. You know, I, I, I think there are some uh, vehicle provisions here that maybe a lot of people don't think about. Uh, for example, long combination vehicles. Uh, you can make the argument that, well, yeah, you can, you can, you can run these things and they're heavier, but, but the axle loads are distributed across more axles, so you're not really affecting the pavement. Yeah, that may or That's may not, not true. be true. It's not true. And I, yes, and I would also say that yeah. a long combination vehicle with additional axles and connection points increases the number of potential failure points on that vehicle. Absolutely. LCVs also, sir, uh, the distribution of the weight, that argument is flawed. And the reason is it doesn't matter if you're trying to drive a hundred thousand pound truck uh, with with another axle, so same amount of weight at a higher speed is going across a, a bridge that's ready to collapse. So you know when they make that argument, it, it's 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 a red herring. It's really flawed. So yeah, you know, for, uh, for from a railroad perspective, uh, when the axle loads increased, where the standard is now uh, 286K, 286,000 pounds gross rail load, there was a corresponding increase in rail weight. So the railroads are, are putting the money into their infrastructure to bring the standards up where they can handle these heavier vehicles. 
and, and also with bridge upgrades, uh, and there's money available uh, th through the federal government. There is no such program for highways as that I know of. Here's a really important point, because this is about credibility to people like Don and I and the Law Enforcement Advisory Committee and just being having been law enforcement officers and having the experience and the institutional knowledge, right? It's about credibility. So during COVID, there was, there was a big push by the trucking industry to lift the restrictions. And, and, and we uh, said a temporary restriction is fine because what we realized is no one was on the highway because everybody was confined to their homes, self-quarantines, right? So, but now the big push is, it, it seems, down in DC is that, you know, which was a concern because everybody wanted to make sure people could still eat during COVID and take care of their families, that the trucking industry has looked at this as a, as a, as a, an opportunity to try to push it permanently. As law enforcement officer, I, I, we've dealt with derailings, right? I'd rather yes. have a, a, I'd rather have a derailing in the middle of the woods where we can clean it up. We can work together to clean it up. And if there's a hazmat still, you know, get contact the appropriate people and protect the environment and the, the, the wildlife. But it's not that often that you have fatalities, right? When, it, when, a, tr when a truck rolls over or a 80,000-pound truck hits a family driving in their Volvo down the highway because the operator's asleep or, you know, malfunction or, or equipment failure, there's fatalities. There's death. Just look at the statistics. I do know that um, what happens in the field with the trucks. And if I could give one quick example. Having been in the traffic services unit before I retired two and a half years, my last two and a half years, when a super oversized load, there's, this is a misconception because when they were talking about the recent Invest in America Act, Amendment Number 21, where they're talking about running trucks on the interstate just in Connecticut, that's a virus. That's going to spread throughout the country because everybody will go, well, that state has it. Well, one of the things they said was there wouldn't be as big of an issue because uh, it, it's already allowed. And I said, well, I'm, you got to look into it and see if you actually have your facts straight, because I think what you're referring to are the milk trucks. They don't allow all vehicles of 100,000 pounds on the secondary road. So one of the other things that's happening is people don't, they, they don't have their facts correct, right? So on super oversized loads, the other thing they said on the 100,000 pound, if we allow 100,000 pounds, DOT would give them a permit to follow on the highways. Well, guess what? I was in traffic as super oversized loads. 140, 200, 250,000 pounds in Connecticut requires five troopers to escort it through the state. And you must stay on the permitted route. And the reason we have troopers assigned to it is because we, there's such big loads and they're so dangerous. We have to shut down intersections, right? right. Now, give 100,000, 20,000 pounds doesn't sound like a lot unless you're getting hit by it, right? So a 100,000 pound truck, we're going to give it a permit, no police escort, and we're going to expect that they honor that they're staying on route. I would say one last point, too. This is really important. When uh, Just recently, just a few days ago, on the 26th, one of our troopers, do you know Connecticut at all, the 395 interstate? Yes, That I runs do. north and south? Mm -hmm. Okay. So on 395, one of our troopers sees a tractor-trailer unit going about 30 miles per hour up a hill. To a trained trooper, that might mean that the truck is overweight, right? So the trooper does his job. He pulls the truck over, pulls it off the highway, does an inspection, and he checks the weight ticket from a copper recycling company in Brooklyn, New York. Now imagine, he got all the way up 95, 
to 395. That's a long way. Yes. That's a lot of danger. That the gross, the, the weight ticket indicated that the, the truck was 79,800 pounds. The trooper weighed it and actually weighed 99,400 pounds. So here's the truth to what's really going on. That's not the only guy. That's not the only driver that's doing that. They're everywhere because the drivers talk to one another. They know that there's not enough troopers out there. They know that there's not enough weight techs. Now, Connecticut actually has about 45 to 50 DMV inspectors, but they're isolated to the way station. So all a truck driver has to do is know hours of operation and go around the way station, right? So, so they're everywhere. These violations are everywhere. The worst point of all of this is there's no accountability because what happens is the public, I remember this from being on the job, that when you issue them a 20, dollars $30,000 infraction for overweight, they appeal it, right? The companies, they'll send it in, they'll appeal it. And the prosecutors in Connecticut, one, there's not enough of them and they don't have time or the knowledge to prosecute the cases. The trucking companies have a learned behavior that all they have to do is try. In the meantime, they're putting the public at risk. And it's, 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 you know, most, again, most troopers, when I, when, before I went to traffic and even after that, I wasn't as well versed at the end of my career in traffic and, and, and weight tech stuff because I was a supervisor. But when I first came on the job, the first 17 years of the job, I, all I knew to, how to do, I don't know for Don and, and his, the people he represented, but basically all you knew how to do is pull a tr- truck driver over, uh, ask for their medical card and their, their log book. And if you really thought you had a problem, you call a traffic services member, right? That's the real life stuff that goes on. There are trucks that are damaging our roads and bridges. The, they don't pay their full cost of delivery. They're damaging our roads. The taxpayers are paying for it. Every, all of us are paying for the companies to make more money and not pay their fair share. So if there's violations under the current weight restrictions, and you see, as, right. as, you, as you cited a violation that the, car, the truck was 20,000 pounds overweight, what's going to happen when you have a bigger, when you have a 100,000 pound limit and so you, go to you have people, people doing the same yeah. thing? At the end of the day, that old equation, force equals mass times acceleration, is, is still relevant. When you have more mass, you are going to have accidents, or we don't like to call them accidents, crashes are more serious. When you load these trucks to heavier weights, the center of gravity is normally higher, so you're going to have more rollovers. The the comment that was made about they wanted to use COVID-19 to go ahead and make some of these increases permanent is something that CABT and law enforcement deals with all the time. Because over the years, it comes up year after year after year in the Congress where people are trying to increase weights and increase configurations. And it's, it's an incremental strategy that they have. And thankfully, CABT and all of the partners, we've been successful by working together. Our primary concern is the public safety. You mentioned about the heavier trucks diverting weight from rail to the roads. Now, that is a public safety issue because I understand uh, some research shows that 20% would be diverted, 20% more would be diverted from rail to the roads if they had heavier trucks uh, authorized. Now, that is a serious public safety issue. Right now, 
the braking systems, Andy, you, you've had a lot of experience with this. They're, they're, they're not as well maintained just to take care of the, the current situation, the current weight limits. So I, I really think that, uh, that, that, that we really have to keep vigilance on this and continue to support CABT in making sure that our highways are safe. CABT and law enforcement has not proposed any rollbacks. We are not proposing to cut back the weight limits. We just want to make sure that they're kept in check because right now the technology on these vehicles and the braking systems are at the limit for what they can, uh, you know, what they're hauling now. So it would just be a bad idea. I'm looking at a list of 22 organizations that are their member organizations of CABT. Of those 22, only four are railroad associations. The vast majority of, of the coalition members are not, they don't represent railroads. They represent cities. They represent law enforcement. They represent county engineers, EMTs. That is true, and that's the only reason we've been so successful over the years. It's not just CABT, but the partners that you mentioned. Specifically, I've met a lot of people from AAR and some of those groups. They're really great people. They give us a lot of support. Um, because the reason we're so successful over the years is because the real answer, there is an answer to all this. We fight it every time it comes up, right? The real answer is it all goes back to the truth. And the truth is it's about public safety. And there's plenty of statistics, there's plenty of data to say that this is fundamentally unsafe for the public. And there's plenty of stats of death and, and damage done by bigger trucks, right? So, I mean, if you're always on the right side of the issue, you, you, you would think you can't lose. But the real threat is, it goes back to what I said earlier, political favors and political pressure. And who's in control of what house and what Senate and what state? Because I got to tell you, there's a bunch of patchwork going on throughout the country. There are different laws. And when you go and dissect them, they're complicated. There's nothing straightforward about it. And you, it's like you need, a, uh, you need to be a, a mathematician to like figure out the bridge formulas and why this state does this because of the road configuration. Some states allow, you know, uh, I think it's... Um, I think it's Idaho that allows up to what 120,000 for potato moving. I mean, some states think they have a specific purpose and on their local roads, they can do that. And then it, and everybody goes to Congress and says, well, if we can do it on the local roads, why aren't you allowing it on the interstate? We, and their mission is get them off the back roads where they think that there's more risk because what I was told yesterday by members in DC is that, the pedestrians and the bicyclists aren't on the interstate. So, so what you're saying is, let's push them up on the highway, let them go from 35 miles per hour, 40 miles per hour, to 75 and 80 miles per hour, pushing 100,000 pounds plus. That sets you up for disaster. This is not just statistics. This is about our children, our grandchildren. I have nine grandchildren. and God bless you. Yeah, you think about them being out on the highways, and the trucks are heavy enough now. They're 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 long enough now. We don't need longer doubles. I'm really concerned, and and uh, we've got to maintain vigilance. And CABT is the glue that that kind of holds this whole coalition together. 
and, and keeps us focused. Has there been any thought given to now the experiments being done with autonomous trucks? You're putting the public more at risk, in our opinion, because an unmanned vehicle, uh, who do I talk to when I pull it over to weigh it? Uh, how do I get it to stop? Uh, and is it, is it really safer? And we've all seen the autonomous vehicle examples on the nightly news where it, the vehicle accelerated and crashed and someone was killed, right? One yes. life is what just one loss of life is is enough for us to say okay let's let's rethink this let's pause one of the remaining issues is and it's a real threat is the double 33s most tractor trailers have 53 foot single trailers um, some states uh, allow ups fedex and others to do twin 28 the big push to do double 33s is again another red herring it's the first step to getting heavier trucks because then they'll say, well, now we have more axles, we can run heavier weights, right? Um, but the real, the real problem with twin 33s, having been in the field, is it'll take a lot longer, I think approximately 22 feet longer to stop them than the current 28s, and twin 28s, and about 70 feet longer than the, the, to stop than the 53-footers. And, and the real problem with if, if most people have traveled on the highway and these, in some states they allow triples, um, you, you see them swaying. And when the truck driver is moving to another lane to avoid, like, say, an emergency vehicle on the side of the highway or a crash or a disabled motorist, or they just want to move lanes to get off the highway, those doubles in, uh, actually prevent you from seeing. It, blo it, it blocks your – there's more of a blind spot, right? And, yes. and there's more collisions as a result of it. So, you know, doing bigger doubles is not the answer either because it's the, it's the gateway to a lot more risk and harm to the public. Being right and being on the correct side of this issue with experience, statistics, Department of Transportation studies, that's all great, but it doesn't guarantee success. We still have to be vigilant. There are incremental pushes being made to get the foot in the door, add length, change configuration, add weight. Just being right about this issue, having uh, statistics on our side or us being on the right side of the statistics and the analysis isn't enough. We need to continue to fight this battle and uh, as, as Andy well knows, this comes up almost every year. It's just important that we keep everyone informed. And that's the role that CABT, the Coalition Against Bigger Trucks, serves right now, making sure that when something is about to be put before the Congress, that we can get there with this information. I'm proud to be a part of this organization's Law Enforcement Advisory Board. And uh, I just think we got to keep fighting the good fight. As the executive director of the Connecticut State Police Union, we represent about 900 troopers, sergeants and master sergeants. And as the executive director of the National Troopers Coalition, we represent 42,000 troopers throughout the country. We ask people, your listeners, to, to always um, be respectful and try to move over if they can safely do so when they see an emergency vehicle on the side of the highway, um, because that matters and it, it, it saves lives for our troopers in the field. And also we want to give a big shout out to the people that over the years have supported CABT and uh, a lot of the organizations that support CABT have often been there for us. Um, last year, we lost 17 troopers killed in the line of duty. Um, when, they, when they pass, we, we, we uh, are off, uh, able to support their families 
with with people that listen to your broadcast um and that's a big deal to the families that have lost troopers in their lives we thank you for your service don as you say we have to uh, keep keep fighting the good fight uh, for for public safety so we wish you as we say in the railroad industry uh in addition to thank you for for joining us uh, have a safe day 